Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Uh, so thanks for being here. Uh, last week, uh, I finished the message by asking you to, to think about the phrase, God is not just love. Um, Thanks, thanks for the graciousness of those of you guys who thought I was out of my mind in, in my sermon. I, I, my, my wife and I had breakfast with my, my mom um, on Friday, and she was like, I didn't know where you was going with that one, cause, uh, but you, you did okay about the end. Um, and then uh, thank, you, thank you to all of you guys, um, those of you guys who emailed, me, emailed back and forth, just uh, thinking about expanding your mind in regards to what, what it could mean. Um, the idea of God is not just love. And that's not just uh, to, just to, if, if you weren't, if you haven't heard last week's message, it's, it's not because the statement God is love is not true. Um, I just want you to think drastically different about who God is um, than we normally do. And in, in, in your guys' emails that you've sent it to me, you know, you, you definitely, you help me expand my view of, of God. I, 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 I as I was thinking about this, it was so stretching to me. It's so difficult for me to think about God outside of my box. So most of us would acknowledge that God's bigger than we imagine him to be, but we do virtually nothing to expand our view of him. And so I want us to do that. I want us to think about the phrase, God is not love or God's not just love, because most of us have a very, very small view of who God is and what God's love looks like and what he's capable of. Um, I want us, us to consider that there are ideas outside of what we normally think about when we think about his love um, that could actually help us in our relationship with him. So, for example, when we think about, when we think about God as love, we, we think about uh, things like God, uh, his forgiveness, um, his grace, um, his patience, his kindness, his peace, his comfort. And God's certainly, is, you know, God's love and God, who God is, is all these things. This is him. This is who he is. In fact, his love for us is, is better than this. His, his forgiveness of us is better than you think. Um, his, his, his grace for us is better than you think, better than you can imagine. Um, but in God's love and who he is, there are also things that you don't include that, that, that I don't normally categorize as love. I wouldn't normally put on a list like this. Um, and, and, and there are characteristics and attributes of God that we don't normally think about when we, when we think about him or we attach to, at, attach to a love list. But when I paused and I, I thought about the phrase, God is not just love or God is not just my ideas of what I think love is. I came up with additional thoughts that I wouldn't have come up with if I just think about love and hugs and kisses and those kinds of thoughts. Um, uh, I, I, thought about, I thought about fear. We talked about last week. I thought about the fear of the Lord. Last week we, 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 brought, out, we brought out the, you know, thought about the God who brings out fear in us. I thought about the cross. We, thought, we talked about the cross. The people who were Jesus followers in the first century before Jesus died on the cross, if you ask them, hey, when we think about God's love, would you put a cross in there? And no one would say that. No one would add a cross to their list of God's love. And then I thought about unanswered prayers this week um, as I was getting ready for this message. Um, this isn't something that I would normally uh, put under the category of God's love, but... Um, 
I want to look at these today, these three things today, um, review last week, and then uh, focus on these, on these three things today and, and, and show you a little bit about them. But I, I, at the end, I, I, want us to, I want to share why I think it's so important that we expand our view of God. You might be thinking, well, Daryl, just leave me alone. I got God and he's nice and he's, he's in my little... I'm going, to tell you, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why it's so important. So fear. Let's talk about fear. Um, last week I explained that the fear of the Lord is the powerful part of who he is and what his love is like. Um, I shared with you the story of how God led the Israelites um, to, up to this mountain to meet him and kind of this commitment ceremony, like a, like, a, like a wedding ceremony. And there's thunder and there's lightning and there's an earthquake. And the Israelites are terribly afraid. And at that time, the leader of the Israelites was a guy named Moses. Uh, Moses comes down the mountain. This is what he says to the people. He says, hey guys, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be, with, will, will be with you to keep you from sinning. And I confessed last week um, that I can get pretty lazy in regards to my sin. Um, I let it linger. Uh, I, I let it stay. I'll repeat it. Um, I, 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 I say I want to stop, but I'm not aggressive like, like the kind of aggressiveness that we talk about when we find out our loved one has cancer. You, you, you are aggressive. I want that kind of aggressiveness towards sin. And I think fear of the Lord would bring it about. So I've been very timidly, I've been very timidly praying for the Father to give me the fear of the Lord. Uh, and it's, it's kind of that kind of, that kind of prayer where I'm like, please give me this. Uh, I've been asking the Holy spirit to teach me the fear of the Lord. And here's why I hope it will keep me from sinning. I'm, I'm hoping and praying that it'll keep me from sinning. Let me, and let me say this. Here's why I'm afraid. Here's why I'm, I'm scared to pray a prayer like that. My picture of God and his love is this. It's too small. It's too small to include something like fear. The fear of the Lord. Too tiny. Um, those, of us, those of us who are Jesus followers, who look to him and admire him and we want to be like him. Um, if you want to be like Jesus, then you need to pray for the fear of the Lord. If you want to be like Jesus, which most of us who are Jesus followers, we say, I want to be like Jesus. Okay. Pray for the fear of the Lord. Let me, let me read this to you. It says this. When he, Jesus, had offered up prayers and supplications, just supplications means requests. I'm asking for things with strong crying and tears unto him that is able to save him from death. Jesus was heard because of his reverent fear. Although he was a son of God, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Jesus loved the Father. But in his love for the Father, there was this enough room for a fear of him. And because of that, 
He's heard, and because of that, that helped him learn obedience. And dang it, if Jesus, if Jesus can help, if, if fear can help Jesus be heard and learn obedience, maybe he can help me. So my ideas of, of God's love and who he is is expanding to include this fear of the Lord. And, I'm, and, and, I, and I just want to do a quick sidebar. This isn't the fear, a fear that you have of some a spouse who, who abuses you. Um, this isn't a, a kind of fear like that. It's, it's, it's far, far better than that. Um, it, it's not, it's not a, a fear of a, of, a, of a God who's sitting on the edge of his seat waiting for you to do something wrong. God sees us as we are, loves us as we are, accepts us as we are, but by his grace, he doesn't leave us as we are. And in order for us, in order for us to get in that zone or to get to a place where we could be not left as we are, I think the fear of the Lord could help us. Would you pray for that? Would you pray for the fear of the Lord? The cross. Last week we talked about how when Jesus followed original disciples, his closest disciples, when they met him, they would have never dreamed to put the cross under their description of God's love. They would have never dreamed that in a million years. The Bible teaches this. This is how we know what love is. This is how we know. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. The person who wrote these words, the person who wrote this, these words is one of Jesus' closest followers. His name is John. And I want you to think about the power of what John is saying here. John saw Jesus crucified. He saw him crucified. Listen to this. Um, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here's your son. And to the disciple, here's your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Um, so from this verse, we, you know, we, we, we can see that John was giving the command to um, to from Jesus to take care of his mother. But we also know that Jesus' um, cross is there and John's close enough to hear Jesus. And so Jesus is on the cross and he says, hey, John, come closer. And you guys know at that time, we underestimate the gruesomeness of the cross. We make, a, we make it look pretty so we can wear it around our necks, but it was gruesome. And not something you want to come close to. And Jesus invites John to come close. He says, take care of my mom. So John's close enough to hear Jesus and probably close enough to get Jesus' blood on him. And so, you know what John's thinking while he's standing there at the foot of the cross? Hey guys, this is how we know what love is. Right? That's what he's thinking, right? Standing at the foot of the cross, he's saying, this is how we know what love is. Of course he's not thinking that. He's thinking this is the worst thing of, crying his eyes out, thinking this is the worst thing of all time. But by the end of his life, by the end of his life, this is what he says. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ got on that cross for us. 
That's a powerful transformation. And if you've been a Jesus follower for more than 15 minutes, you'd probably agree with that. You, you, know, you, you, you might even thought of it yourself when you, when you put on your original list, um, you, know, you took time to write a list under the words that you think about when you think about the words, God is love. You might've wrote the cross of Christ. But the cross of Christ, uh, that's not all. The cross that most of us would never include on this list, on this, this kind of list right here, is our cross, your cross, your cross with your personal name on it. <laughs> this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's his cross. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's your cross. So we want to expand our view of God's love to include a crucifixion and not just his, ours. Now I said before, I said this, I said this before, you can't get through a serious reading of the New Testament without thinking two things. Jesus loves me and he intends to see me crucified. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In, 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 this, in some sense, for the Jesus follower, you have been put to death, a crucifixion, and, and you're, not being, you, you're not allowed, or you're not given permission to, to live your own, to do your own things. You're being put to death in a mode that's as painful as a crucifixion. And the, and the, and the person who, who gets to do all the living is Christ. And all the decisions and all the direction and all the desires, they belong to him. And, and that sounds like it would be bad, right? That sounds like it would be awful. This is the worst thing. But if you, if you know Jesus in any way, shape, or form, you know that it is. Those of us who know Christ best know it's actually the very best version of our lives, the very best use of our lives. Listen to this. This is brilliant. Among those who belong to Christ. So if you, this is you. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed off for good, crucified. That does not sound like love to me. That doesn't sound like the love list to me. Jesus walks up carrying his cross and we're filled with all kinds of compassion and we're filled with kind of, kind of love and admiration for him. And he says, oh, no, no, hold on. I got one for you too. Being given a cross doesn't feel like love to me. It certainly, it certainly doesn't feel, doesn't give me those, those love feelings when I'm, when I'm being crucified in this life. But it is as much a part of God's definition of love as patience and kindness and love and hugs and kisses. Uh, I have to just have to expand my view, especially when it's actually happening to me. Last, unanswered prayers. Um, so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What happens... When God doesn't answer your prayers after three, four, five years, how 
How about when you've been praying for something good? You're not, you're not asking for something whack. That you're, you're, you're praying for something good that you would assume that God wants for, for 10, 20, 30 years, and God still doesn't do it. And you would assume if he has all the power and he's as loving as you believe he is, then what you're asking for, he should do. But what happens when he does not? What happens when he does not? Would you include unanswered prayers in your characteristics of what makes God so super loving? Author Anne Swindell, uh, who's been praying for, for a healing for a very long time, she says this. She says, I've been asking God to answer one prayer for healing from a medical, from a, for a medical condition I developed as a child for over 20 years. Still, after these long years of waiting, I can tell you two things with complete honesty. Number one, I trust God. And number two, I definitely don't always understand him. Let me just say this. Isn't that when it matters most, when, when, when trust matters most? When you don't understand? Trust is really awesome when you understand everything, right? Isn't that when trust matters most, when you don't get it? She goes on, she says, she, 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 says, she trusts God, but goes on to say this. I don't always understand him. It's hard to square what I read about Jesus in the Bible. His willingness and ability to heal, his miracles, his compassion and tenderness with what seems, what seems like a lack of help and healing in my own life. I know it wouldn't be hard for him to heal me, but in 20 years, he still hasn't done it. And if I'm going to be honest, I have to say that if this is his love toward me, it sure doesn't feel like love. I love that honesty realness about God. Most of us, we never get there. You never get, you never get to be able to articulate, certainly write them down so somebody could come back and say, hey, look what you said. Does it make sense to include unanswered prayers in God's love for me? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is the way that God doesn't answer my prayers. And Swindell comes out and says that it certainly doesn't feel like love. So listen to this. I want to share with you a true story. And if you know how the story ends, I want you to try mentally to set that aside for a second, um, to pretend like you don't know how it ends, or to try to get in the zone of what it would be like if you didn't know how it ends and, and live, with the, live in the moment with the people in the story. So there's a time when Jesus was physically on earth and some of his friends um, named Mary and Martha, they send a message to Jesus that basically says, come quick, our brother's about to die. Hurry, we need you right away. And if you come right away, you might be able to save our brother from certain death. And Mary and, Mar- Mary and Martha have seen Jesus heal all kinds of strangers. And since they thought of him as a friend, they thought of, them, they thought of themselves as close to Jesus, they assumed that if they asked Jesus to come, he would come and heal, heal their brother. Jesus does not come and to make matters worse, he doesn't come, not because he's like busy um, healing other people, and not because he can't, 
But because he won't, he will not come, even though he had the ability to come. And he lets their brother die. That is most certainly not love, right? That most certainly is not love. In our culture, we say things like silence is violence. Or if you see something, say something. Um, it's not enough to, to, to not like evil in the world. You've got to do something about it. And if you have the power to do something about something that's evil in the world and you don't do it, that's evil. That's wrong. And we certainly wouldn't call it love. When somebody stands by and watches somebody else die when they have the power to save them. Love is when you have the power to do something good or, or, or to help someone, you do it. Love is when the, when the hero sweeps in, and, you know, swoops in and saves the day. Love does not let people die when it has the power to save. That's not love. Listen to this. Listen to this. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his, wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When they heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and his, her sister Mary and Lazarus. So he dropped everything and hurried on over. Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Martha. And since he could not, since he could heal people, on the spot without actually even having to go there. He's, he, and you think about that. You think about that for just a second. We've got stories in the, in the Bible where Jesus doesn't even have to go to places to heal people. He can say, okay, yeah, you're healed. Somebody far away. So Jesus is far away and has the power to heal him without even going there. And doesn't do it. Since Jesus is so loving, he did something, right? He answered their prayer in just the way they wanted to, right? This is what it says. Jesus loved Mary and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there two more days. You, do, you, do, you see those, do you see those two verses together? Mar Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. So here's what he did. He stayed two more days. He didn't answer their prayer. I love you so much, I'm not going to answer your prayer. And Lazarus dies. Jesus loved these two ladies so much, he didn't answer their prayer request in the way they wanted. He, he doesn't keep their brother from dying, even though he had the power to do it. Is that love? Is that love? Is that what love does? When, when, we, when we say God is love, is this what we mean? Yet this verse basically says this. Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, so he let Lazarus die. 
And now, some of you guys know this story plays out in like four days. You get to the end of the story and you figure out what Jesus is going to do. But you don't know the end. If, if you don't know the end, you should read it in John 11. But I want to ask you this. I want to ask you to think about this. What if it wasn't four days? What if it was four decades? Is it so cool then? Does it still make sense then? When you read the story, you'll see. But like, what if it wasn't four days? What if it's four decades? What if they ask him for something and then 40 years later he comes through and does it? So you've got 40 years to be ticked off at Jesus. But he says, I love them, so I'm not going to show up for two more days. I'm going to let him die. Is that love? That's what it says. That's what it says. Here's why this is important. So if you're, you're like, Daryl, can't you talk about something fun or nice or what? This, this is why this is important. This is why this is important. When your picture of God's love is not big enough to include unanswered prayers, what happens? What happens? Yeah, you don't trust him. You don't trust him. You stop letting him lead and you take over. You walk away from him. Okay, God, clearly you're, you're, you're not doing, you're not, you don't love me the way I thought you did. And I still love you and I want to go to heaven, but I don't trust you as much. So what happens when your picture of God's love is not big enough to include a cross for you? Then you, t- you give yourself permission to do whatever the heck you want to do. And, and we tell ourselves, we tell ourselves, God loves me and God wants me to be happy. So the easiest route to happiness is, is what I think. And it doesn't include a cross. But if you picture, if, you're, if your picture of God is small, what happens when God does allow something to you that's like a crucifixion? What happens, or what, happens, what happens when you start going through the Old Testament and you read some of the terrible things that God allowed to go on back there? What, what happens when you have a small God and you see him allowing ridiculous things back then? Then you're, you're like, okay, I'm out. I don't know who that is, but this is why, this is why, this is why your God has to be big enough to include things that maybe you're not comfortable with and that you don't even like. I think it was um, my friend Roy who sent me an email this week and he was talking about the idea that our picture of God is often the best version of ourselves. If we were really, really, really good, this is what God would be like. And we were talking about how that's not true. (laughs) It's way past that and we bring up we brought up the verse that this idea of God's ways are higher than our ways as far as the heavens are above us is how far his ways are above our ways he's bigger than that he's bigger than that and when we think that we you know we 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 think about God and we we've got him figured out we make a grave grave mistake that will lead you to not trusting him and it might lead you to walking away from him. So does does God have space in your world to do things that you don't like that you disagree with that you're not you're not you maybe not maybe you're not ready for. 
maybe that, that feel uncomfortable or painful. Or is it just patience and kindness and hugs and kisses and nice things and mm, only? Anybody who's followed Jesus for more than 15 minutes, you know, you know that's not how God operates. You know it. Our God, our picture of God has to be big enough to allow him to do whatever he thinks is right. Whatever he wants to do. So today, there are some of you who've stopped trusting God as much as you might have in the past because he's done something or allowed something to happen that's outside of what you've been comfortable with. Outside of who you think he should be or what he should do. And I want to invite you back today. I want to invite you back today, not based on the, on the idea that he's going to do what you want him to do now, but based on the fact that he is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. I want you to open your mind to that idea that God may do things you don't like, or he may hold opinions that you, you don't like, but he's still God and he loves you far past your imagination So today, as we take communion together, I want to ask you to imagine and think of how the cross fits in to his love for you. Not just his cross. Your cross. I want to have you imagine how fear fits in. I want to ask you to imagine how Unanswered prayers fits into his love for you. If you allow yourself to be crucified with Christ, then everything else starts to fit. And when he doesn't answer your prayers on your timing, okay. I don't like it, (laughs) but okay. And just like Anne Swindell said, you could, you'll be able to say two things. I trust God, but I sure the heck don't always understand what he's doing. And that's okay. And that's okay. No matter what that means. Let's pray together and then take communion together. Um, what, what we'll do, uh, and just let me explain super quick. What we're going to do is we're going to take a few minutes. My friend Johannes is going to play the piano and we're, we're just going to take a few minutes to, to pray and to think personally on our own. And then uh, I'll close out the service. Let's pray together. Dear Father, uh, <clears throat> we want to acknowledge to you right up front that there are ways that you have that are higher than our ways that are outside of how we think we think you should act and what you should do. But we are small. We are tiny. We don't know anything compared to what you know. And so I pray that you'd help us in this moment of reflection, in this moment of time where we're remembering your death, your, your death, your resurrection, your crucifixion. Help us to commit ourselves to be crucified with you then what we like becomes irrelevant to what we will do. It, it's still hard. It's still a, still a battle. It's still a fight. But it is not in charge of us. 
Our desires are set aside for what your desires are. What do you want to do? What, what would you like to execute in our lives? Our unanswered prayers are difficult, but they don't determine our relationship with you. They don't determine how much we trust you. I pray that in these moments right now, as we, as we think about the cross of Christ and how confusing it was to everybody who saw it going down, except for Jesus, that we would have that kind of perspective. That the cross of Christ became the greatest, greatest saving power in the universe. If that can happen, what can you do with our lives? What can you do with the little things in our lives? And I pray, I pray that we would allow, we would allow our picture of you to be big enough for you to do that and for us to still trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.